Welcome to The Point. Well, we wanted to show you that video. We want to show you that video just so all of you seniors that are about to graduate can have one more thing to worry about when you won't go to walk across that stage. Who in here has a fear of falling in front of everyone? No? Some, okay, cool. I know, um, I know for me, uh, something that, um, th there's actually a, a fall that, that, that really changed my life and changed the way that I view some things. I was, I was working uh, one summer at, um, with the Special Olympics. I, had, I would take my day off on Thursdays and I would go work at this, this uh, special populations camp with kids that had autism and Down syndrome and diff different uh, physical disabilities. And uh, so I got the opportunity to work at a Special Olympics one summer. And I remember that we go out to this, uh, this massive stadium, and, and I, was, I was the bocce ball judge. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I know you don't know this about me, but I am a mean, nasty bocce ball judge. And uh, <clears throat> brush your shoulders off. And so... Um, and so I'm judging this bocce ball thing, and they're having all these different competitions. Well, everyone had gathered back into the, uh, to the stadium, and they had this, this the, kind of the last event, and it was a 100-meter run. Now, the people that were participating in this 100-meter run were, were students and young adults, and all of them had different disabilities. There was one guy in a wheelchair and a couple of people with Down syndrome and different, different uh, things from the special populations. And so they all lined up at the starting line. And, uh, and, and the whole entire stadium is watching this scene as it unfolds. And, and so the guy who is at the line, he, he shoots the gun. And as he shoots the gun, everyone begins to run as fast and as hard as they can down the track on this 100-meter run. And, and so as they're running down, all attention is, is facing towards them. And as they're running down the track, all of a sudden, sort of middle of the pack, <clears throat> there was this girl and as she was running, she began to lose her footing, and you could just see that it was not going to end well, and she falls face first and just slides on the pavement. Yeah. No, nobody laughed. And, uh, and so we all, you know, there was this, this massive gasp. As she was falling, she, she let out this yell right as she hit the ground. She, yelled, she lets out this yell. And when she lets out the yell, something happened. I've never seen this happen before. I've, I've seen many competitions, many things happening. When someone else gets hurt, you're like, hey, run faster. That person's not going to beat me. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, you're playing, you're playing soccer and the goalie falls down and gets hurt. You're not going to be like, oh, let me stop the ball here and, and let you get up. We're going to kick it in the goal, right? And, but that is not what happened. And when she let out, there was a couple kids that were almost to the finish line. They stopped. Everyone in the race stopped. And they turned around and they saw this girl laying there. Now everyone in the entire stadium at this point is completely silent. And they started walking over to this girl. And she's crying. And, and they, they help her up. They, one of them puts one arm over her, their neck, the other the, over their neck, and they begin to walk this girl to the finish line in a straight line. And they cross the finish line together. And I'm going to tell you right now, there wasn't a dry eye in that place. I was bawling like a little sissy girl. Like a, like a two-year-old just got her Barbie stolen. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I, was, I mean, it was bad news, you know? And man, I just play back that scene so often in my mind, and I think back to that time. And if I was to give a, a challenge 
If I was to give a challenge to the seniors, if I was to give a challenge to, to every person in this room, man, I, I want you, I want you to, to notice this picture, and I want you to get this picture in your head. That the Bible teaches us and shows us all throughout Scripture that our, our life and our faith journey is much like a race. Paul talks about this a lot, and that's where we're going to be tonight. But it talks about this race that we're in. And listen, over and over again, we see this idea that we are to finish the race, but not just finish the race, but we are to bring as many people as we can with us to the finish line. And when I think of, uh, of Paul, he is, he is my favorite person in all the Bible in fact, Paul was a guy who did not follow Jesus. He was a guy who persecuted Christians. He was a guy who went around, uh, you know, uh, uh, persecuting the, uh, Stephen and, and uh, in agreeance of Stephen when he was persecuted and murdered, the first martyr uh, for the Christian faith. And when I think about Paul and I think about uh, just his journey, he goes off on this road to Damascus to expand persecution, to kill more Christians, to persecute more Christians, and he has an encounter with Jesus. And when he has an encounter with Jesus, his life has changed forever. From that point on, Paul was on mission. Paul was on mission, and he saw his mission to finish this race that had been marked out for him and to bring as many people as he could with him. So Paul goes on three missionary journeys. He's telling everybody that he can come into contact with about Jesus. Paul is thrown into prison. He is stoned. He's beaten with clubs. He is given the 40 minus 1 lashes uh, where they would flog him. Uh, he was given that many times. I mean, all these things kept happening to Paul, and eventually it even led to his death. He even died for his faith in Jesus. Yet, Paul was on mission. He had this unwavering commitment to see other people come to know Jesus and to finish this race strong. When you get to Acts chapter 20, it says this, Paul's talking, he says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and to complete the task the Lord Jesus Christ has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Notice, he's on mission. He says, I have considered my life worth nothing to me. In other words, this life that I was living, I was trying to build my own kingdom. I was trying to do my own thing, but no longer do I consider my life worth anything to me. But now, now I set forth to finish this race and to complete the task that is before me. The task of testifying of the good news of God's grace. Listen, 12 Stone Church has a mission. Our mission statement is we exist to inspire life, share life, and give life. For Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. That is our mission. That is not just the mission that we came up with. The cool thing about it is that is the mission that we get straight from Scripture. As Jesus tells his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations. As Jesus, the last thing he tells disciples before he goes into heaven, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the, of the world. The mission of the Christian, the mission of the follower of Christ is to go out and share the faith, to share the good news, to share the gospel of the saving grace of Jesus. And that is what we're about in this student ministry. And my prayer is, is for you seniors, that is what you will be about for the rest of your life. 
Last week, we had a night of worship. Man, it was awesome. Come on. If you were here last week, you know how amazing that night was. I remember I was down here at the front, and I was praying over a student, and he says to me, he says, Derek, uh, it's my first time. I don't go to church. I've been in witchcraft for years, but I feel like God's speaking to me tonight, and I want to give that up. And so we prayed over him, and then if you'll remember, at the end of the service, I shared the gospel, and we gave a, a, a response time. And I said, hey, listen, if you want to give your life to Jesus, if you want to surrender your life to him, if you want your life changed, if you want this full life that Jesus talks about in his word, if you want this, then I want you just to come up here on the stage in front of everybody. We're just going to make it public. We had 32 people come up on the stage, and he came up on the stage. Listen, that is what we are about. We are about life change. And man, maybe you're here tonight, it's your first night, you're like, hey man, this stuff's kind of weird, like people raising their hands, singing songs and all this kind of stuff, and you're like, mm, what's, what's going on here? Let, let me tell you something, just hang with us. Just come, get to know us. We want to tell you about the truth. We want to tell you about Jesus. We want to tell you about how you can have a full life in Jesus. And let me tell you something, seniors. You have been going to this church, some for a while, and some of you over the last year as you've gotten connected to this student ministry, and you are pumped up about Jesus, and you are ready to go out. And I want to tell you right now, be on mission. Be on mission to go out and change this world. Be on mission and go out and change your dorm room, to change your hall of your dorm, to change your school for the name of Jesus. Go out on mission. Go out on mission. And see, I find it interesting, too, because Paul, he, he was one of those guys, he was like, look, I'm not just like running a race here, but he's like, I, I want to win this race as well. Let me, let me tell you what he says here in, uh, in, in 1 Corinthians 9, 24. He says, do you not know that in a race all runners run? But only one gets the prize. Run in such a way to get the prize. He says, hey, listen, if you're going to be on this faith journey, if you're going to be chasing after God, if you're going to be chasing after Jesus, listen, you might as well run as if to win the prize. You might as well run in such a way that, that you are going to win, that you are going to get the trophy. And I say that because as I look at the, the culture that we live in, the landscape of college students, the landscape of high school students, the landscape of your generation, I see a culture of quitters. A culture of quitters. I mean, if you're playing a sport and, you know, your coach sits you on the bench and you get upset about it and you get mad about it, man, that's no big deal. You just quit. Instead of working harder, getting better, growing in your sport, growing in that thing to, to, to make the team, to make the starting position, you just quit. And then we have excuses, oh, it's political, the coach only puts people out on the field that he's friends with, that he's not. No, no, let me tell you something. Every coach wants to win and they're going to put the best people on the field. Stop making excuses, work harder. School. People are quitting on school. Dropout rates are going like this. But school's tough, man, and it's homework, and it's all. I know it's tough. I know school is tough. 
people are dropping out, people are quitting, people are quitting, people are quitting. You know how many seniors I know in the last semester of their senior years fumble the ball and don't graduate because they quit on school before they end? People quit on their jobs. They don't like their job. They don't like their boss. They don't like what they make. They don't like this. They don't like that. They start getting discouraged about things. And our culture says, hey, no big deal. Just quit. Just go get another job. Or quit and don't get, a no, get another job. And, and the government will give you some money to help you live as long as you want to live. Right? And then that trickles over into marriage. And people are quitting on their marriages left and right. And their children have to live with the pain of it. You say, yeah, but it's hard work to make this marriage work. Yes, it is hard work to make a marriage work. And it's hard work to make school work. And it's hard work to make work work. It's hard work to do those things. But let me tell you something. It is so much more detrimental to you to quit. See, in our culture, it says, hey, if you quit, no big deal. No big deal if you quit. It's, it's, it's easy. You know, it's not a big deal if you quit. But it is a big deal. Because if you quit on school, then you don't get a good job. And if you don't get a good job, then you can't support your family. If you quit on your marriage, it is going to tear you apart financially. Listen, I counsel with people all the time, and I'm sitting in front of them. Just this week, I was counseling with a couple, and they said, yeah, but we just can't afford financial counseling, but our marriage is unraveling. I'm like, hold on a second. Let me get this straight. You can't afford maybe the $1,000 for 10 sessions to save your marriage, but you can afford to allow your marriage to unravel and you to lose half of everything that you own. That is crazy to me, but it's easier to quit. We buy into the lie of the culture saying that if we quit, it's going to be easy. And it's not. It always comes back and bites us. It always hurts us. And that gets to the core text of where we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 4. We know that Paul went on these three missionary journeys. He then began to write letters back to the churches of the places that he had shared the gospel and people had become uh, believers and he had set up the church and pastors and stuff in these particular uh, places. And, and Timothy was kind of a guy that he mentored, that he there was a younger guy that he mentored and had led to Christ and was pouring into. And Timothy was a young pastor. And he, he's writing to Timothy, he writes two letters to him. And this is the second letter that he writes to him. And what we know about 2 Timothy is we know that this was the last book that Paul wrote before Paul was beheaded in AD 66 in Rome by Nero. And so Paul, right now at the end of his life, this is uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, the last chapter that Paul ever wrote. And this is what he said. We have it up on the screen. He says in verse 6, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time for my departure is near. He says, hey, listen, I, I'm, I've given it all. I'm at the end of my life. It is like almost like a, my life is a cup, and I've, just, and I've poured out everything. I've, I've offered my entire life. I've poured it out on the ground. God, I've given it all that I have. God, I've poured it all out for you. And now it's my, my time of departure is near. I'm at the end of my life. And then notice what he says. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who long for his appearing. 
He says, listen, man, I'm at the end of my life. I've been running this race of faith, and now I'm at the end of my life, and I've been poured out like a drink offering. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And now there is for me stored up a treasure, a crown of righteousness for me. See, what he's saying is here is that, listen, I'm at the end of my life, and I've I've laid it all on the line, and now there's a trophy that I get to get in the end, this crown of righteousness that that God is going to give me when I get to heaven. I'm at the end of my life, and I get this trophy. Listen, I don't know a single person in, in all of my years that has ever got a trophy for quitting on their team. When I was a sophomore in high school, my high school baseball team, we won the state championship. That year, we had two guys quit on our team. They didn't get state championship rings. They didn't get a trophy. You don't get a trophy for quitting. You say, Derek, why do you talk about finishing the race? Why do you talk about quitting? Why are we getting so heavy and in the weeds and so in depth with this right now? I'm going to tell you why. Because studies and statistics are showing us that a large portion of high school seniors that are connected to church they would call themselves believers in Jesus Christ or walking away from the faith within 12 months of graduating high school. See, what happens is, is that they, they are now on their own. They now have to run the race by themselves. They now are on this journey and they have to take ownership of their faith. And what happens is, is that they cannot finish the race. They quit. And so they quit on church. They quit on faith. They quit on God. And this is personal for me because I've been a youth pastor now. Yesterday was 11 years. I guess. 11 years. And I've got to see a lot of students graduate from my ministry. And there have been plenty of students that were in my worship team Plenty of students that were in my small group. Plenty of students that I've done life with. Plenty of students that were leaders. Plenty of students that led the prayer team. Plenty of students that were, that, that I thought, man, if you ask me, Derek, would this guy ever, would this guy ever abandon the faith? Would this guy ever abandon church? Would this guy ever walk out of this? Would this guy ever do this? I would say, absolutely not. This guy's on fire for Jesus. Now, they're not in church. These are people that I love, people that I care deeply for, people that I still talk to even to today. And I know what you're saying. You're saying, Derek, that will never happen to me. Derek, that'll never happen to me. Uh, Jesus, on the night that he would be betrayed, he's in the upper room and he's talking to the disciples. And he's talking to Peter and I think we have the scripture. We'll put it up on the screen. Matthew chapter 26. It says, now there is, uh, no, that's not it. <laughs> so, so they're up in this room and, and uh, they begin, and Jesus begins to talk to, to the disciples. This is what he says. says, then Jesus told them, this very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, Listen to this. Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, 
I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same thing. Now we know through history and we know through the word what happened. We know that in less than 24 hours, just a few hours later, after this conversation happened, Peter did in fact deny Jesus three times. The disciples scattered and went their own ways. Yet he said he would rather die than disown him. So I bring this message of caution to you. Because I don't want to see that happen to you. And let me tell you the pattern. Let me tell you how this happens. What happens is, is that all of a sudden it's like, you know, the last semester of, of your senior year, it's like, it's like senioritis hits, right? And you're like, man, you don't want to do schoolwork. You don't want to do anything. And, and so then you start getting slack and everything. So now, now all of a sudden it's like graduation comes up. And then after graduation happens, it's like all the attention is on you, right? And you feel entitled to it. Man, I've worked hard for these last, you know, however many years I've been in school. I've worked hard for this degree and everybody should shout shower me with money and gifts and everyone should shower me with all this kind of stuff and so you start getting money in the mail and you start getting all this kind of stuff and you are excited about it like yeah I get to go buy a whole bunch of stuff and then all of a sudden like you know youth group comes up on Thursday night or college ministry on Tuesday night where you should be going and getting connected in your relationship with Christ like yeah you know what man like I'm you know I I got some other stuff going on I'll, I'll go back to that stuff when I get off the college and so all of a sudden during the summer you take this massive break from spending time with God from going to church and being connected to the church and so you don't come on Sunday morning because you've been hanging out with your friends because you need to get like some last time with your friends before you go off to college and don't see them anymore so you stay up to like three o'clock in the morning on Saturday night and so you can't get up in the morning in order to go to church on Sunday morning let me tell you something this pattern plays itself out over and over and over and over and over again And the next thing you know, you go off to college, and that goes for everybody who's not going to college. Summer is not a break where we say, hey, I'm going to take a break from spending time with God, take a break from going to church, staying a break. You need to stay connected in the summer more than any other time. And so what happens is that then we go off to college, and we get there, and it's our freshman year. We haven't been connected to church. We haven't been connected to anything with with Jesus in the last four or five months. He's kind of just an afterthought. And so we go off to college, and we get there, and we're like, ah, you know what, man? I remember my youth pastor said, hey, we need to get connected to a church as soon as we get to college. You get into your dorm room, you start meeting your dorm mates, and it's Saturday night, and they're like, hey, man, let's go hang out. And you're like, yeah, I want to meet new people. I want to get to know my roommates, get to know these guys. I don't want to look like an idiot because, you know, I'm not connected. So y'all go and y'all hang out, and you come home really late at night, and then, and, then, uh, and then your alarm goes off in the morning to go to church, and you wake up, and you're like, uh, and you're like, no. And then you go back to sleep, and then, and then all of a sudden, this pattern begins to repeat itself. And the next thing you know, you're about a couple months into college. And you haven't got connected to a body of believers anywhere. You haven't spent time with God. And all of a sudden, things start to fade. You start slipping into sins that normally were not a situation or issue for you. You begin participating in things that you know that are displeasing to God. And all of a sudden, the conviction that you used to have is not there anymore. And you begin to walk away. And then what happens is you go and you sit in a class and a professor with three PhDs who is obviously smarter than you gets up there and says, Christianity is completely made up and if you believe it, you are an idiot. Christianity borrowed all of its beliefs from Eastern mythical religions and if you believe in Christianity, you are believing in something that was borrowed and passed down and copied from other religions. And you're going to sit there 
and you are already questioning things, and you are going to sit there, and you are going to say, I knew it. I'm done with this stuff. Happens in colleges every year. In fact, it happens in high schools every year. One of the students in the youth group here a couple weeks ago sent me a text message and said, hey, man, could you pray for me? I've really had a rough day today. My faith has been challenged. They showed this movie in our class called Zeitgeist. It's all about how Christianity barred us beliefs from all these Eastern mystical religions, which is the most common thing that professors in college who are non-Christians uh, like to throw out and say and all this kind of stuff. The problem with it is that it's been completely refuted and all the scholars, the, the greatest scholars in the world, like Dr. Yamaguchi and some others who uh, are on these particular things say that it's, it's all, all a bunch of nothing. So anyways, in this video, it shows, it, shows, uh, it shows God's son. And it says that God's son comes from the son because all these gods worship the son. So get it? God's son and God's son. And that's how we get God's son, Jesus. You say, oh, man, that makes so much sense. This guy is so smart. But instead of doing your homework and, and not using your brain, if you use your brain, you would say, well, if that's the case, then 2,000 years ago when the New Testament was written, they would have had to have known that the word for son and the word for son would have been translated into English, son and son. Because in the Hebrew, the word for sun, like the shining sun, is the word shemesh. And in the Hebrew, the word for son, like a father's son, is the word bane. And in the Greek, they're total opposite. In fact, when English even began, the word for son was sune, and the word for son, like your son, was suno. So they were still not the same word. But you don't, you, you don't think about that. Or things like, oh, well, where Christianities get this cross from is that there's a thing called the cross constellation. And so God's son, the sun, is in the sky. And as the sun passes in front of the cross constellation, it puts a cross in front of the sun. And so when the cross goes before the sun, that is where we get the sun dying on the cross. And so Christians copied that from astrology throughout history. And you're going to be sitting there going, holy cow, I've never heard this before. This is crazy. This is unbelievable. And you're not going to do your homework. Because if you did your homework, you would come to the conclusion, the right conclusion, that the sun never crosses in front of the cross constellation and never has crossed in front of the cross constellation in all the history of the world. And in fact, in Bethlehem and Egypt, in that side of the world where Jesus was born, the reality is, is that you can't even see the cross constellation from that side of the world because it is in the southern hemisphere on the opposite side of the world, and that is in the northern hemisphere, and they don't even line up. And I can go on and on and on. But the point is, don't believe what someone says and don't believe what I say. Go do your research, do your study, and pay attention. Don't allow someone to dismantle your faith because you're not willing to do the research and you're not willing to study it yourself and check it out. So run the race as to win it. Run the race to finish the race and run the race to bring as many people with you as you can. Now, I think that there are four keys in order for you to run the race with success. And I'm going to copy these four keys from our uh, awesome senior pastor, PK. And these four keys are something that really, what, what I really think is, is so important for you to win at. And, and they're tall a lot of times in what's called the diamond, the diamond life. 
And I'm, gonna, I'm not going to explain the whole thing to you, but I want to explain just kind of the key points of it. So four keys to running the race to the end. The first key is placing God as the priority of your life. Putting God first. At home base, as you start at home, placing God as the priority. You need to make a decision now that, listen, I am going to spend time with God. I'm going to get into his word. I'm going to study his word. I'm going to have a personal, daily, devotional time, time with Jesus. And you have to prioritize this time. And you're going to make a commitment that I'm going to stay connected to a body of believers. I'm going to stay connected to the church. And this is what I know. You are the greatest barrier to you growing in your faith. You are the greatest barrier in your relationship with Christ. And so God has got to be first. He's got to be at the center of your life. He's got to be at the core of your life. You have to win that first. If everything else in your life seems to be going okay, but that piece is missing, that piece is messed up, you've got to lock that down first. Secondly, character. First base is character. You have to be men and women of character, men and women of integrity. In Proverbs 10, 9, one of my favorite Proverbs, it says, the man of integrity walks securely. The man of integrity walks securely. A man of character walks securely. In Proverbs chapter 31, when it gives the, the picture of the Proverbs 31 woman, the, and, and it says in there, a woman of noble character who can find... Basically, he's saying, listen, if you can find a woman of noble character, man, you need to marry her. You need to lock that down. You need to put a ring on that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, when you find a woman of noble character, this is a big deal. And we live in a culture where we, we skip out on things. We slide on things. We do things. We try to get around things. We cheat. We, we, I mean, I remember I was going to church. Uh, after church one day, I was sitting with a couple buddies around the table, and, uh, and we had ordered our drinks and, uh, and we all ordered waters at the table, but it was one of those fountain machines where you could walk over and just like put in whatever fountain drink. Well, one of the guys at our table who's dressed up in you know, church gear, he goes up there and he pours Coke in his water cup and goes and sits down. I'm like, bro, what are you doing, man? You order water and you got a Coke. He's like, oh man, I do this all the time. Nobody cares. Well, the manager sees him and sees this Coke in the clear water cup and he walks over and he says, sir, did you purchase a Coke or did you get a water? And he's like, duh, well, uh, uh, I, I, I got a Coke. And I was like, dude, no, you didn't, man. You got a water and you put a Coke in there. He's like, dude, why are you calling me out, man? And I said, listen, I pulled out my card. I handed the guy the card and I said, just put it on mine. And then I pulled him aside and I said, bro, you come here after church. You're representing Christ. You call yourself a Christian. And you're compromising your character. There's a, there's a story that uh, Adrian, Dr. Adrian Rogers told at my uh, commencement when I was graduating. And he, he was talking about this guy. He was going to be the youngest CEO of this massive Fortune 500 company. This guy was about to be an instant bajillionaire. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he was about to have a lot of money. And, uh, and he was going to be the youngest CEO. He was kind of the talk of, you know, all the magazines. I mean, this guy was the, was the junk that was coming up. He was in his, he was in his mid-20s. To, and, and so this was a big deal for this guy to be the Fortune 500 CEO of this company. And so uh, they were in the board meeting and they were talking about stuff and they, they had got down to where they were going to do the offer and fill out all the paperwork and they said, hey man, before we do this paperwork, we're going to break for lunch, go to lunch, come back, finish everything out and we'll be done. 
So when they broke for lunch, they went to one of those cafeteria restaurants where basically you get a tray and the, the ladies behind there, you know, on the hair and neck going, meat, what kind of meat you want? And you pick the meat and then you go and you pick your couple vegetables and you go down and you get your dessert and everything. Well, at the very end of the line, they have baskets where you can get butter or sour cream or different things like that for your potato or your bread or whatever. And he picks up a piece of butter and you have to pay five cents for these little pieces of butter. He decided he didn't want to pay for it. So he lifts his plate up, sticks the five-cent piece of butter under his plate, sets the plate down on top of it, goes to the line. The lady at the register doesn't see the butter because it's under his plate. She doesn't ring him up for it. He goes to his table. One of the board members saw him do that. When they got back to, the, uh, to the, where they were having the, the board meeting, he said, he said to this, this young guy, he says, could you stand outside the room for a minute? He goes in and he tells the board what happened. Not only did they not give him that job, but they fired him from the company. Over a five cent piece of butter. See, because they knew that if he would compromise in the small things then he would compromise in the big things. Things like massive company scandals that happen do not start because somebody decides one day, I'm going to embezzle a million dollars. It's because they stuffed $20 in their pocket 15 years ago when they were working at McDonald's register and all of a sudden they got away with it and they got away with it and it gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse. And you have to guard your character. You have to guard your integrity. So it starts at home. It starts your relationship with God. Then it's your character and it's who you are. It's your integrity. And then it's your relationships with other people. It's your community. You gotta have community. You gotta have people that can encourage you and challenge you in your faith. So listen, I'm gonna challenge all of you that are graduating this year. When you get to college, the first thing you need to do is find a church. And you need to get connected into a small group of people that can encourage you and challenge you in your faith. Just like the story that I told at the beginning of the students that came back and picked this girl up that fell down and helped her across the finish line. This is what Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says. Two are better than one because if one man falls down, he has someone there to help him up. But listen, most pitied is the man who falls down and has no one there to help him up. Man, we need people around us that can pick us up. We need people around us that can do life with us. We need people around us that can challenge us and encourage us. We need that. And then finally, the fourth one is competency. We win at home. We win with our relationship with God. We've got to win character and our integrity. We have to win in community, at second base, and at third base, we have to win in competency. And this is important, and I want to press in right here because I think that what happens is, is that when we go off to college, we think, hey, man, this is playtime. But this is what I can tell you. You cannot screw around and get success. You cannot screw around and get success. And it's going to take discipline. It's going to take discipline when you are in the dorm room at night and your buddies want to play Black Ops 3 and Skyrim until 3 o'clock in the morning. And you know that you've got this massive exam the next day. And you're like, man, i got to do this. i got to say, ah, man, I'll just, i, I got to play, man. i got to play. Yeah, i got to get my KD up. You know what I'm saying? Can't do that. It takes discipline. It takes discipline to go to bed at a decent time. Listen, I learned early on in college that there were certain things that I could do and there were certain things that I couldn't do. 
I learned that I, I work the best in the morning. So I learned from me, I couldn't, I couldn't pull all-nighters and do well on a test the next day. So at midnight, anytime I had a big exam the next day, I would go to bed no later than midnight. And I would wake up early in the morning and I would study. And I learned myself and I learned how I would do that. You have to be competent. You have to learn. And let me tell you something. When I made a decision that I wasn't going to screw around, I made a decision I was going to take that seriously, everything changed for me in my life. And I graduated with my undergrad college degree in three and a half years. I graduated with a seminary degree. In four, in, so in four and a half years, I'd finished a double major undergrad and a seminary degree. Because I was serious about it. By 21 years old, I'd bought my first home. By 24 years old, I owned two homes, rented one of them out. I decided early on that I was going to be responsible. I was going to be competent. I was going to be serious about the things that mattered to God. And I wanted to learn and grow because I wanted to be a good youth pastor. I wanted to know the word of God. I wanted to be able to, to tell other people about Jesus in a way where they could understand it. I wanted to do that. I wanted to be competent in what I did. And you have to want to be competent. You have to put your foot down and say this. And let me tell you, when I go home sometimes for Christmas and I'm hanging out with my family, I'll go and I'll hang out with my brother and we'll ride up to a restaurant. And I'll see a couple of my close friends from high school sitting up at the bar at the restaurant. I walk over to him, hey, fellas, what's up, man? And we'll start this conversation, start talking with each other. A couple of my best friends from high school. One of them has two children, two different moms. He's not married. He's 31 years old. He's living with three guys in an apartment. He got kicked out of college after his freshman year because he was partying too much. And failed all of his classes. Dude, his life is going nowhere. One bad decision after another. Pattern after pattern. So I want to challenge you. To take it seriously. To win competency. And that's for everybody in this room. This message isn't just for seniors. Every person in this room, you have to win your relationship with God. Your time with God has to be a priority in your life. This ministry, 12 Stone Church, has to be a priority in your life. Get connected to a body of believers. Get connected to the body of Christ and grow in your faith. And you have to win character and you have to win community and you have to win competence. So, my challenge to you is simply, simple. Stay on mission. Stay on mission. Number one, run the race as to finish the race. And number two, take as many people as you can across that finish line. Because there's a lot at stake. There's a lot at stake. This is eternity at stake. Father, I just want to pray for these students tonight. I just ask God that you would do a work in their hearts. God, that you would challenge them and encourage them. Lord, that they would, that they would be serious about the mission that's ahead. And God, I, I pray, Lord, that they'll have fun in the midst of it, Lord. This isn't just about like saying, oh, man, I can't have fun and I can't do this and I can't do that, Lord. I, I know that you've designed fun for us. And God, we get to enjoy your creation and we get to enjoy everything around us and we get to have fun, Lord. But God, I just pray that, that they will realize that they are on mission.
God, that they would get connected in ministries at their campuses, Lord, and that they would share their faith with their roommates. God, that, that they would be a light in the places that they go because they may be the only person in their dorm. They may be the only person in their hall. They may be the only person uh, in, their, in their classroom that knows you, and they have the opportunity to share the love of Jesus, to share your light. And God, I just pray that you would give them the boldness, and God, that you would give them the passion to do so. God, I pray that you would raise up a bunch of Pauls from this room. They would have an unwavering commitment to finish the race and to take as many people across that line with them as they can. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, listen, tonight, as we're talking a little bit about seniors, I want to do something that I think is kind of cool. I want to uh, allow the seniors to be able to share some wisdom with some of you underclassmen. Yes, that's right. So, so what we've done is we have created a video that some of our seniors have given some words of wisdom. And so, uh, and so what I want to do right now is I want to show this video, and then I got something special for the seniors that we want to do right after that. So for all you underclass and everyone else in here, check out this video. Don't think that you have to depend on anybody else for your happiness because that'll lead you to dark places that you don't want to go and if you're here tonight keep coming because it's better than whatever else you'd probably be doing. First off don't fall asleep in service because you will get called out and uh, I guess like make fellowship and friends and within the church so you know. The best advice I could give you out there who don't really know what the future holds or your purpose is instead of trying to seek yourself or trying to put yourself out there, really find purpose in driving for others' success because that's the best thing I could have done throughout high school. And through that, God's shown me exactly what my future is going to hold. Good luck out there, guys. These are the most important thing I learned in just these last year right now is accept yourself. You know, I'm 5'5", five five and I sweat like crazy, but I wake up every morning and I'm just so happy to just be alive and just express myself daily. Throughout all of high school, you always think that you know more than you actually do. But God always knows what's best for you. He knows your future, your plan, and he has everything in store for you. So listen to God. Wenn ihr eine richtig gute Zeit hier in Amerika haben wollt, oh my God, dann müsst ihr unbedingt einen Austauschschüler aus Deutschland kennenlernen. Just saying. Basically what I'm saying, if you want to have a great time at high school, go and find the German exchange students. I heard they're pretty cool. One day after service, they'll pull you aside and say, you have to think of something wise, funny, and smart for the underclassmen, and then you'll have nothing to say and you're going to be a really awkward person. So you should probably prepare for that day today. What I think you should know is Proverbs 4.23. And it says, above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life and um, put God at the center. When on a bus going to camp, don't even consider seating yourself next to a bunch of girls who will sing worship songs the entire way there. When you're considering seating arrangements when going to camp, you'll probably want to choose the option with the less concentration of girls. When going to camp on an automated vehicle, don't seat yourself next to any girls, period. When boarding a transportational machine, you'll probably want to sit out of eyesight and earshot of any girls. When you're not running, but actually riding a bus to camp, if there's one bus with a lesser concentration of girls and one bus with a higher concentration of girls, don't choose either bus, just stay home. In fact, when considering registration, if you know that there's gonna be girls 
you might not even want to register. This is Drag, this is Myers. We're out. So my advice to you is not to be a flex. What a flex is, is a flirt slash player. When you ask for a girl's number, you will get hit with that Proverbs 3110. Trust me, I know. When you get to high school, you just gotta like learn to expect the unexpected and just roll with the punches because there's gonna be a lot of stuff that just you don't understand. Just roll with it. That's just how you're gonna survive. And like when you get there and you make like that best friend, you just like cling to that best friend because later you're gonna have a lot of stories. There's gonna be some fine boys in the church. Everywhere you go, there's gonna be a fine boy. Look to the right, there's a fine boy. You look to the left, there's gonna be a fine boy. If you just see a fine boy, just run. If you find yourself in a relationship with the boy, just break up with him. What? If you think you're about to say I love you, break up with him. If you're thinking about him during a worship song, girl, break up with him. If you are serving in the church to see your boo, mm -mm. you need to break up with him. We get to high school, especially freshmen. Do not smoke around and play around. It will catch up to you later. Okay, when you get to high school, pretty much the one thing that I wish someone would have told me when I was in ninth grade, don't get in the boys' truck. No, not the truck. <laughs> First thing, number one, most importantly, keep your faith to God as you go throughout um, your life in high school. And number two is just be yourself and don't be afraid to stand up for what you believe in. Don't don't jump on things that are really, really hard. They hurt, like a lot. Don't do drugs. Stay away from those, obviously. You freshmen coming in, probably the best advice I can give you is, um, you know, during high school, you might lose yourself and kind of lose identity of who you are, and you might try to find it again. And um, the best thing I can tell you is um, search for God and then search for who you are. Don't, don't make your book bag too heavy like I did. Because then they'll they just point you out and be like, freshman. It's better to have one good friend throughout high school rather than just have be surrounded by a bunch of people who honestly don't care about you and they're not gonna matter afterwards. And, and, if you see Austin Hagen around the church, just run, just run, just run because he everywhere. All right. Uh, underclassmen, um, you gotta step up. Step, step up. up, like the movie. Step up. All four of them. All four. Hey, and you know what comes with stepping up? Means you never back down. Just like yeah. Jake Tyler That's from right. that movie, That's right. never, never back down. down. You know what he did? Yeah. He tatted up. That's no, right. No, what did he do Don't, though? He never backed down. Yeah, never, right! So you step up, uh. you never back down, and you stomp the yard. Yes, sir. Yep. Every day. Stomp it. With stomp it. Stomp it. Yeah. So much stomping. So, from us residents, <laughs> so stomp it. Uh, good luck. Go get them. Yeah. Meow. Meow. <laughs> ah, dinosaurs. Don't even consider seating yourself next to a bunch of girls who are going to sing worship songs. Worship songs. <laughs> Talk. Oh, God, bye again. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Hey guys, when y'all get into high school... <laughs> Alright, cut. <laughs>